Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. We're so glad that you're here today. My name is Tom, and I'm the worship pastor here. And if I say anything weird this morning, our lead pastor is going to be back next weekend, and he'll fix it. So don't, don't worry. I'll just have a meeting with him, and he'll set it straight. We have been in the midst of a series called Back to Basics because we want to get back to something. If I hear new normal one more time, in fact, every time that that phrase is uttered, my tummy just goes, like it's just upset uh, with an entire situation. And uh, I, 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 we feel like there was part of us that had to remember why we're doing what we're doing, why we're here on this planet, why Jesus has changed us so dramatically. And I feel one of the ways to best Surmise that is a story that I recently heard of a man who was on an airplane, and as him and this large group of people were all traveling on this airplane, there was a moment where the captain came over and said, we're having a few problems with the engine. Now, just a quick context clue. You never want to hear your captain say that there's a problem with the engines, okay? Those are essential parts of flying, science, okay? So as soon as that happened, it, it, there was a loud bang that just goes off and the plane doesn't so much start to dive as much as precipitously drop like free fall like just going out of the air and the man who told the story said he had enough presence of mind to take notice of a sociological moment that's happening I do love a good nerd and he said people only responded uh, uh, in one of two ways. The first way is that people became audibly religious. Like they were just praying out like, oh God, please help. They were calling out to Jesus, saying, Jesus, will you please come help us? And then the other half, and I'm just curious who I'm at church with today. So, you know, there's a place for everybody. The other half is everybody started speaking profanity. And they seemed to all kind of huddle around one word. So they were dropping F-bombs on the airplane. And it was like one or the other. Either like very holy response or the other one. And, you know, I, I know Christians, so maybe you're a little bit of both. You know, you're a little salt and pepper. I get it. Okay, we'll pray for that later. We'll fix it. But, oh, my goodness, something is happening. And then... Almost as suddenly as it happened, the plane starts righting itself, the engine kicks back on to full, and they continue their journey together. But as you can imagine, it wasn't a normal flight for the duration, right? Like, wouldn't you just be totally wigged out? There'd be something going on with you. I don't know how you'd be responding, but I'd be going into the overhead for a fresh pair of pants. It was a situation that had just happened, okay? And I love Jesus, I'm just saying. So why, why would I open up with a story about that where I've already talked about profanity in my pants situation? Why would I do that? Because, my friends, that is 2020 if I've ever heard of a description of it. Holy smokes, I turn on the news just waiting for what the next episode of Stranger Things in real life is going to be because the upside down is coming. Like, it just feels crazy. If you haven't seen that, I'm sorry, but it's, it's bad. You know, you picked up on that. Like, it's just nuts. Like, first of all, if you would have told me next year, hey, a global pandemic's going to happen. And turns out some of those people on Doomsday Preppers were on to something. Like, like, I should have bought a lot of Visqueen and tape and put it up, and I should should have bought one of those crazy buckets of chicken soup. I should have been ready. So I'm going to be ready for the next one. Or, or okay, you know what else is going to happen? It's going to shut down. There's going to be rioting in the streets. There's going to be racial tension like we haven't seen in decades. Oh, my goodness. And you know what else? Murder hornets. 
that's the thing. Like, whenever I see the new hashtag, I'm like, it checks. It checks out. And everybody's like, oh, 2020. I can't wait for 2021. The sequel is never better. It's always worse than the first one. I don't know what you think you're getting out of just because January's going to exist. It's a situation. Now, the thing that happened on that airplane that was so interesting sociologically speaking is that perfect strangers had the opportunity to learn a deep truth about each other in that moment, and that is how you respond to crisis. They know that about each other. So, you're an F-bomb guy. How's that working for you? Right? They all learned that so quickly. And here's the thing. With a lot of us, we too have learned how each other respond in crisis. At first, man, we were so appreciative, weren't we? It was like if somebody was at the drive-thru and they were brave enough to work at Taco Bell, you thanked them for their service. They just got rid of the chicken quesarito. Pray for our nation. Like, I can't eat it now anyways, but whatever. Like, it's just a situation. Like, we were so grateful. When you went to the grocery store and someone had bagged groceries and you didn't find the toilet paper and you know what that person must have gone through when there was toilet paper here and you thanked them for checking out whatever food you could put together. There was this sense of gratitude. And then the next month came on. Remember that first month with Tiger King, right? <laughs> like, it was just weird, but it's like, you know, we're in this together. And then people started, like, like conspiracy theories started coming out like crazy. And it just, it just got weirder and weirder. And we found that there were people who, like, their response to crisis was no longer, like, we're going to endure it. It was anger. Like, there was a lot of anger. And it wasn't just angry. It was like the kind of anger that Yoda warned us about in Star Wars. Like, anger led to bitterness and hate. I'm just saying, listen to the green guy. He knows things. He's a puppet, so not really. It's going to be okay. I have ADD. I feel like that disclaimer needs to happen real quick. So, But it just turned into this situation. And there was just this part of all of us where it wasn't even a we wanted to go back. We just wanted to be able to make a plan, even. Like, like, I'm just, I'm just trying to, like, work out some deals. And my wife and I, we finally went on a little trip. It was a great trip. Do you know where we went? Ohio. <laughs> and that was as good as it got. It was 80 degrees because it's closer to the equator. Dad joke. Like, that was as good as it got, man. I went to Columbus, and I'm like, hello, Columbus, land of mystery and shopping malls. Thank you for your discounted jeans. It was like, that was as good as it was possibly going to get. I don't know about you, but I am sick and tired of feeling powerless to achieve or plan anything. Anything. We, uh, we decided it was time for us. We wanted to go on a good vacation next year. So we reserved tickets to go next year. And I have no idea if this plane is going to right itself because I can't make a plan. So I made a plan just because I could. And I don't know if it's going to work out or not. But I'm so, so very tired of it. So for us together this morning, I want to talk about how to get our lives a little bit more under control. You're sick of feeling like you're behind the whims of either vague germs or leadership that you don't understand or you do agree with and you wish everybody else would agree with or you're like, why could anybody possibly agree with them? And then we have this crazy moment going on right now and I just am really curious, how are you handling crisis and how can we get back to basics and back on track. Let's pray together. God, we love you. We want to trust you. 
We want to move with you and we want to see you glorified. And it is in your son's name we pray. Amen. So right now, a lot of us know something about our family or people that we know and love, and that is how do you respond to crisis? I'm curious, if I was to go to your home or to your social circle and I was to ask, how does she respond to crisis? Like, how's she, how's she handling all this? Because right now, since we're like always in crisis, how are they always acting? How, how is he right now? Just general vibe to live with right now. I, I'm just curious what they would say with about you. I don't know, man. She's, she's always being dramatic. He's always finding something to complain about. Oh, my goodness. He's always so encouraging. And she always just has this way of just turning us around. Oh, my goodness. It's so good. Or they're always griping. They're, fi- they're always finding faults. They're always finding the good things. They're working. This dude can talk about video games in any context. This person's always working out and exercising. I don't know who this person is, but you know, come as you are. Like, uh, you know, oh, they're always, like, they're always posting on social media. They're always on Instagram. They're always, they're always, they're always, they're always. Well, like, what would they always say about you? What are you, what's that, like, consistent thing that you'd be known about in the midst of this crisis? They're always sharing their opinion, because we need so many more of those. God bless you. We just would love to hear more opinions. <laughs> going to lead to a talk. Anyways, they did a survey recently where they, they were reaching out to teenagers and they were trying to figure out the teens exactly what their, um, what do they want to do for a career? And the response that they got, it, it was an overwhelming 54% said as a career, they want to be a celebrity. It's a great job if you can get it, baby. All right. I'm not going to argue with it. But specifically the kind of celebrity they wanted to be was a YouTube celebrity which I have zero shade to throw at that, okay? I'm, I'm subscribed to way too many people on YouTube, and there's a dude who goes to our church. Like, he's just figured out how to have a job on YouTube just talking about BMW cars. He's figured it out. Holy smokes, full-time gig just doing that. I don't get it. But that's a new generation. And I don't fault it because back in the day, there were people with really tight pants on swinging guitars around on TV. And I was like, I too would like to be a rock star. Like I had that. Like I get it. I have, no, I have nothing to say against that, but it's not much of a dream. And a lot of people who have decided that saying I would like to be a YouTube star is because that is income that I could have while wearing pajama pants. That's cool. I'm not... Hey, man, you can get that gig. You should get that gig. That's great. You can just have the SpongeBob pants on, and as long as you got a button down, you're good to go, and you can just talk about things, and people will listen to you, and then you'll make money. Cool. It's a sense of power, though, that I can have power out of something so easy. And, I'm, and you know, power is something that we get, like, really ooky about sometimes. Like, we just, like... Like my hands start swelling when I talk about power because we've seen power go wrong inside of a lot of hands. And I I just guarantee there is no person in this room that if I said I could make you the most powerful person in the world right now, you might say, I don't want it, but I'm going to fix a few things first. Like you would do that for us, right? Would you please take the virus? Would you do it? Like you'd do that for us, right? Nod your head. Be a human being with me for a second. Exactly. We would all want to do it. We would all want to be more powerful. And yet I would suggest to you 
that the most powerful person, the most powerful human being that was ever on planet Earth was Jesus. I know, you're shocked because I'm a pastor. No, because I believe Jesus was the most powerful person in the room. And whether you've decided whether or not that he's worthy of being called God or not, I understand there's a lot of people wrestling with that right now. But you cannot deny there is no historian arguing whether or not there was a man named Jesus who was eventually called the Christ, who in three years changed the world forever. Changed the world forever. By way of his leadership, by way of his power, by way of his candor. And he did it without a communication networking system. He got it done. And for me, even in my deepest moments of doubt and wondering whether or not, and I have those moments of existential wonder too, I still keep going back to the, he changed the world, he did it differently I still want to know about that one. I still will follow his ways, even when I feel lost and powerless. Now, one of Jesus' best friends, his name is John, and we're going to go to the book of John together, and he journaled about Jesus. And John is wild the way that he talks about it. John's whole gig was he was interviewing people, and he was writing down stories about Christ from his memory and from collected witnesses to show that Jesus was God. He also is a little wild because he refers to himself in the second person. He refers to himself the one whom Jesus loved most. What a humble brag, you know? Like, he's just got this going on. But in John chapter 13, this is going to specifically address power right in here. John chapter 13, verse 1. It was just before the Passover feast. And Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. Jesus is going to reveal everything right now. Verse 2, the evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Now, there's going to be so much that's going to happen in this chapter that we could spend weeks on, and I'm not going to be able to get all into it, but you do. When the devil shows up, that's Jesus' enemy showing up in the midst of the room. And that's important to just have that parked for a moment. Verse 3, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his, say that word with me, under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. He's talking about power here in the very midst of it. All things under his power. Verse 4, so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Verse 6, he came to Simon Peter, and he said to them, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. Jesus did that a lot when he was teaching. He's like, I know you don't know what I'm saying, but later you'll get it. It's just the vision that he had. Verse 8, no, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part of me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, a person who's had a bath only needs to wash his feet. His whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him and that why he was said that not everyone was clean. Verse 12. And when he had finished washing their feet, he put his clothes on 
and return to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. We're going to move on to that a little bit more in a minute. Matthew 23, 11 says, The greatest among you will be a servant. What is happening in this moment, when Jesus enters into a place and he has full power, look at what he does. He lowers himself. When you become the most powerful person in the room, when you want to take over, when you want to have control of someone, there's this paradoxical thing that Christ would frequently do. is He would give something away. And by giving away is when he would have the most influence. Some of us, we so desperately want to hold on to something or we're afraid of something or if this doesn't happen, everything will fall apart or because this tragic thing did happen, that means my future is in question. Jesus is literally sitting in the room and he's showing you how to treat enemies. He's sitting in a room for the very last time with his disciples, practicing something before he knows that he's about to go to the cross and he says, I need something that's going to stick with these guys. If you had one last chance to talk to your kids, how would you want to treat them? Take a cue from Christ. The very, the most significant moment that he has, the last time he has them in full relationship of the original 12 disciples together, he removes part of his garment, he becomes weaker, and he gets filthy with them. I, I would suggest this to you that I believe that if you want to find somebody with the holiest heart, you'll frequently find that they have the dirtiest hands because they're willing to get in and get to work. Man, feet are weird, aren't they? Like, can I just, like, just talk about that? They're weird. <laughs> like, I'm, not a, I'm not a fan. Okay. Like, I can walk into a room and tell when somebody's taking off their shoes and like, mm, I'm just not going to be here for a minute. Like, it's just... And that's exactly the kind of mess that Jesus gets into. Like, we know that these guys were walking through the desert. They were walking through the midst of people constantly. We know that they had walked through entire leper colonies. We know that they had gone to the best and to the worst places. We know that it was filthy. And Jesus, as a leader, you know, a lot of times as a leader, we would just be like, we want to surround you. We want to celebrate you. And, you know, Peter even has that response, right? He says that to him right there. Well, then you shouldn't be washing my feet. And Jesus says, if you want to experience what it's like to to be served and to be powerful someday, Peter, you need to know what it's like to have something filthy on you cleaned. Because that's what we're in the business of. Don't you think it's cool that Jesus starts off by teaching them and meeting them at their level and saying, at your level, I'm going to call you fishers of men. I want you to come to my level now. And my level is lower. My level is lower. Because the lower you can get for somebody else the more we lift up other people. And the more that we lift up people, the more that you love me. When Jesus was by, trying to be trapped by Pharisees, religious leaders, not that religious people ever love to argue, but when he was trying to be trapped by religious leaders at the time, they asked him what the greatest commandment is. And he said, you know, you've heard it said that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with your heart, your mind, and soul. But I say to you to love others as you love yourself. And then Jesus goes forward and he doubles down later on in the gospel. And he says, it's not actually about loving others as yourself. It's about loving others as I have loved you. Jesus proclaims it this way. So sometimes we kind of take Jesus and we're like, no, nah, that first two things that you said, that was good. But the context that he did is not based on treat others as you would want to be treated. 
No, the standard is so much higher. You're to love others as Jesus has loved you. And how did Jesus love you? From his knees, to a place on a cross, to being a man of sorrows, to defeating death and coming out of the tomb for people to glorify his father. If you want to make a difference in this world, your opinions will not fix it. The greatest sermons will not fix it, but a real relationship where you're willing to get on the ground and get dirty for somebody into the awkwardness, the complications of it, the place where you would have so many questions. That is where life change happens. I truly believe with all of my heart, if you want to change this world, you have to serve it. Uh, when I was very young, um, or at least a teenager, uh, my grandma had Alzheimer's. And what a, just an evil disease, just an evil disease. As I watched this, this powerful woman, but we didn't know it was happening at first. You know, we just kind of thought, you know, she's a relative, so she's a little out there anyways. But there was a point where we went to her house, and my mom and I were there, and she was just walking funny. And she goes, Mom, Mom, you know, what's, why are you walking so funny? She's like, I'm fine. You ever ask somebody how they're doing? And they say they're fine, and you're like, you're a terrible liar, but you don't know, like, do I con confront the person who just told me that they're fine? Like, like how, how deep are we going into this? I don't know. It just depends on how dirty their feet are, right? Come on. So we go to her, and we're saying, like, everything, you know, everything's fine, everything's fine, I'm fine, whatever. But she's limping. Like, there's clearly a problem. So we go to her, and we say, no, sit down. And my mom goes, and she takes off her, her slippers, and they were a situation. I'm not going to go into all the detail, but they were, they were in terrible, terrible condition. They were filthy. And in order to help her, we had to get on our knees. And uh, it hurt her as we were doing it. Like, it was uncomfortable for her because she did not realize how dirty her feet had become. See, she had no reference to clean feet. You know, sometimes we have no reference for what holiness looks like, so we have to get dirty so we can show somebody the new way. See, we had to get dirty with her for a moment so that she could experience freedom. See, we had to, her and us, all kind of feel awkward. And man, we are always running away. If it's awkward, it's bad. I will just tell you that if it's not awkward, it may not matter. Like, <laughs> sometimes you got to get into the mess. And us taking care of her, and us not shaming her, and we didn't ask her any questions like, how could you let this happen? Of course not, because she deserved dignity. Not just because she had raised my mother, who in turn raised me and had walked through us when we had gone through the hardest points in our life. Of course, she had earned it, but just who she was intrinsically as a human being deserved to be taken care of. And she experienced Christ in that moment, and so did I. Because I'm telling you, my friends, when I was down on my knees that was some of the best worship music I've ever sung for Jesus. You know, I, I, I get involved in, in tech here, and before we had our awesome tech director, Brian, um, we run some of our music through stereo, okay? So left and right, and I was looking through uh, some patch cables. You don't need to know what that means. All you need to know is that the right side was inside the left, and the left was on the right. So they were backwards. Um, and no one would have caught it. You would have never said, 
guys, I think that audio that you had attended for the left was in the right. None of you are ever going to say that because, like, like, no one would ever know. And I wanted to go home. Haven't you ever just, like, been doing something and you're I just want to go now. And I did. I wanted to go now. And I'm probably losing my reward in heaven by telling this story, but whatever. So it couldn't have been that good of a prize. So I just go to the back, and I just remember taking the two cables and just switching them and just saying, like, this little, I love you, Jesus. Like, that little little moment for me of just, I'm going to make this better because it was a low thing. You know, like I'm, I'm like one of the lead guys here. You know, my pond isn't very big, but it's still one of my ponds, you know, like, so I'm not that important, but still that should have been somebody else's job to do that. Someone else should have taken care of that, but no, I just decided to do it. That was me washing feet for the sound. Who cares? Point being is like, sometimes it's like getting into those incredibly complicated, but very sacred moments of taking care of somebody who cannot take care of themselves. And sometimes it's just going back there and saying, the thing is not, I need to rethink it. I need to fix something. Both of those moments, because they require you to lower yourself to do it, are equally holy. And here's what has kind of happened in the midst of, I won't just say Christianity, I'll just say human beings, is like this idea of volunteering. Like volunteering is a good thing. Me. Maybe the problem is, to us, volunteering is a deed that we do because it's a good thing to do. Whereas if we come at it from a heart of serving and out of a heart of mission, the context of all of it radically changes. You see, you can be a volunteer and just fill in a spot because we need warm bodies somewhere, or, or you can serve on mission and somebody's life may change forever. I will tell you that two people who changed my life at Lake Point. When I came here, I was not, like, I work with people. So sometimes people are mean. Did you know that, right? Like, and I was coming in, and now I'm going to adopt new people, you people, which you all seemed very nice, but, you know, something could happen. We could disappoint each other. We could break hearts again. There's all this relational risk. And two people who changed my life were people who did not need to be nice to me. Well, I, Pastor Scott doesn't have to be nice to me, I guess, but like, I guess he should, right? Like, he should, like that's kind of the way that we work. And he's, he's always been incredibly great to me. But there were these two guys who, it was my second week after, it was my second week, just after I'd been announced, like, that Tom was going to be joining the staff at, at Lake Point. And the first guy, he played acoustic guitar this morning. His name is Dan. And Dan Bice was excited to see me the second week. That's the end of the story. Like, he didn't, like, take me out to lunch or buy me a new car. He was just kind to me. <laughs> like, the guy, the guy was just genuinely excited to see me. It made me feel wanted. It made me feel like I belonged here. He had no expectation of me other than he was just glad I was there. Now, he was there to play the acoustic guitar, but his mission was to bless human beings. Mission accomplished whether or not he played the right chord. The other person who made a dramatic difference in my life who goes to this church, if you've been coming here, you know, for a couple weeks, look out for this guy, okay? You'll see him. He's always wearing sweatpants, and he almost always has, like, a Snoopy or a Peanuts shirt on, okay? He has the exact same first, middle, and last name as our lead pastor, so we call him 2.0. 
And 2.0, I, I know nothing about this dude other than like this guy in sweatpants is just walking up to me. And I'm just, it's not like now where if I see somebody in slippers in public wearing pajamas, I'm like, that tracks now. But a few years ago, that did not track, okay? And he comes up to me and he had given me a nickname without informing me. And he just yells, PT, which is Pastor Tom. Like, that was just so cute. But then he comes up to me and he goes, I just want you to know, I really love you and I'm here for you. And he gave me a giant hug and walked away. And I was like, what just happened? It was such a blessing. Now, the reason that 2.0 had showed up was because we used this app in our church called Planning Center. And he got an email that said, can you come and serve today? And he did come and serve. He helped. He was helping check in kids this morning. He came to check in kids, kind of. That was his volunteer spot. His mission was to bless people and to wash some feet. And 2.0 washed my feet that morning by making me feel like I was wanted. Don't you think it would be amazing if every time you walked through our doors, you felt that wanted? Not like you were being sized up, and I'm not saying that's happened now, but what if I could just guarantee that experience? What if I could guarantee that experience that every time that you walk up to our doors that you see a face who was expecting you, wanted to see you? Well, my friends, then you would know exactly what it was like for Peter to watch Jesus on his knees washing his feet because it had to be a little awkward. It had to be confusing. Why are these people so friendly? And it had to have changed his life. In fact, I know it did. What's amazing is, how does Jesus still hold full power and still let Judas be in the room? Because the other thing that I can guarantee you is that people will let you down. But they still, they still are loved by our Lord. And Jesus would have still washed their feet. Do you ever feel distance from God? Maybe it's because you're praying to God like he's on the other end of the ceiling and like he's not in the room with you. And what I mean by in the room with you, that he wants to be with you. And when I say he wants to be with you, he's welcoming you down. Isn't it amazing that the most powerful person who ever lived made the biggest difference through his preaching and through his feet washing as he picks 11 knuckleheads, changes the world forever. Do you want to change the world? Your opinions won't do it. Your posts won't do it. In fact, I will say that the greatest platform you will ever have is the floor. Someone needs their feet washed. I'm, I gotta tell you, like, even this morning, pulling this off was kind of wild today. Dina found out that she was gonna be singing on stage on Friday, because, and then our drummer didn't know he was gonna be playing drums until I think like a week ago. I've had, like, us trying to find musicians and volunteers. I was talking to Kim uh, this morning. She's the head of LP Kids. And because we're trying to keep people safe, if someone is directly exposed to another person who has COVID-19, we, we ask them to self-isolate, okay? We're just trying to be smart about that. And everybody has been totally on board with that. And it's been wild because our little church was averaging about 215, 220 people on a weekend when we were lucky when I first came on board. You people are nuts. We ministered to 500 people, counting our online people this last weekend. It's insane what's happening here. And here's what I want to say. 
the volunteer positions do not exist so that we can have great ministries. The volunteer positions do not just exist for the target audience. The volunteer positions exist for the servants' lives to be changed because there's nothing more life-changing than you washing somebody's feet off. And by washing somebody's feet off, I mean being willing to volunteer in LP Kids and not just walk in there and saying, like, kids are weird, but I'm here, but going in and saying, God, use this situation. And when that kid picks their nose and tries to eat their booger and you stop them, you have made a difference because I was one of those weird kids. I don't know if I ate boogers, but I was at least a freak show. Like, I know that. I've seen the pictures. I loved silk shirts, and I had huge hair. And like my mom would try to dress me properly, but it was just, you know... I'm my own spirit, I guess. Like, it was a situation. And I'm standing up here today, not because I can remember a single teacher's lesson. I, can't, I really can't. I think somebody brought in a chinchilla one time. Like, I can't really remember any of those lessons, but I remember kind faces. And I remember when I would spill things on the floor because I was a kid and nobody yelled at me. I one of my favorite people that I ever known, his name was Elsie Pinnegar. I remember this guy's name, and he passed away when I was 16 years old. And I remember him because I had a really, really rough time uh, in the first grade in elementary school. There was a bad period, and there was some bad financial things happening in our house. And he came in. And he was the husband of my first grade teacher. And he scared us. He was just a large, quiet man with a ravelly voice. And he came up to me and he said, Tommy, sit down next to me. And I'm like, oh, snap. What did I do wrong today? What Elsie did is he called me over and he said, I heard you talking during the sermon at chapel because I went to a Christian school. And they were talking about David and Goliath. And I was like, yeah. And he said, what would you think of that story? Like teenager in training, I guess. I don't know. Oh. And he's like, well, you know what kind of weapon David had, right? Like, yeah, it was a sling. Yeah, would you like a sling? And that dude made me a sling. And he said, don't tell your parents about this until you're far away from me. And that guy was so cool. And then he started finding me at church, and he would come and sit next to me, and he would point out all the coolest stories in the Bible that were violent because he heard that I was in the Batman. Like... <laughs> That dude made a difference in my life. There were a thousand people at his funeral. We, that, the whole church was overflowing and filled up. The last church service that he was ever at, he sat next to me before he died of cancer. That guy was washing my feet. He had grandkids. He had amazing people in his life. And I'm standing on his shoulders and hundreds of other people who put up with my awkward, weird business, my youth volunteers. Oh, sweet mercy. Pray for my youth pastor who I'm still still wakes up with a tick, okay? <laughs> but we show up for people, not for positions. Kevin's running slides back there, not just because he's really addicted to hitting the space bar so that you can see the scripture. He's in it because that's his spiritual act of worship. I invite you, do not volunteer, serve, and learn. Oh, Jesus flipped it all around. When Jesus touched people, not only did he not get sick, they got better. A dirty hands will often equal a holy heart. My peace in this world is not found in the retreat and getting away, but my peace is found in the advance. I'm less upset when I can't make plans, when I remember 
but my plans in my life are all about living according to his purpose. And his purpose is one of love and power that happens under his authority. The posture that best places me under his authority happens, happens when I empty myself by way of serving him. And I serve him by serving others. Do not just volunteer as a response to being a good person. Don't just volunteer We need your because we need your help. And we do. Someone asked me, Tom, let me know when I'm in a pinch. How many more times, y'all, we got to get pinched. I'm sick of being pinched, okay? Like, I pinched, am, yes, come in. We need you. But don't do that because you're a good person. Don't do it because your heart. Don't do it because you feel guilty. I don't need another guilty person. I need somebody who's on mission. Serve because it's what Jesus did. And he changed the world by serving others. Three things I want to give you really quickly. Loving God happens the best when you love others. Loving God happens when we love others. Constantly, even when Jesus is challenging Peter and saying, do you love me? He's really trying to dig something out of Peter. And he keeps on saying what? Feed my sheep. And he says it three times. If you love me, you're going to love people. If you love me, then you're going to love people. Jesus says, you cannot love me if you do not obey my commandments. What did he command us to do? To love people. How do you best love people? Hey, thoughts and prayers. Man, I don't feel love when you say thoughts and prayers. I feel acknowledged. That's cool. I feel loved when you actually get into the dirt with me. Let's do this. We need to get into it. And not by way of platitudes or opinions, but by hands and feet getting dirty and getting in it. Romans 5.8. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Watch the way that Jesus is always teaching us. He is showing us the way that sacrifice leads to the most change. Remember that when Jesus was in full power, he got fully on his needs. I'd also like to teach you this, that if you want to say that you trust God, that means to have faith in God. Trusting God happens when you understand that you're under his authority. See, a volunteer, right? Volunteer is a choice that you make. Serving is a mission you go on. If you want to be under his authority, don't volunteer serve. Go on mission. Be fully utilized. God, I got two hands and a towel. Where do you want me to go? Where do you want me to go? Being under his authority is being under his control. And I'll say this, our peace is found when we trust his purpose. I don't know how many times you've probably feel the way that, that, that I have felt sometimes after serving. Like you just kind of feel empty and you're like, it's a thing I did. And it doesn't always feel like very fulfilling but you kind of have to stop and have those moments and you say, but I trust your purpose and I know this is what you told me to do. I was talking to someone who was wrestling with their faith years ago and I said to them, maybe faith isn't just about you thinking about things long enough until you can come back around. Maybe faith is you actually taking action, which is why I think you need to remember one of the coolest stories that has ever happened and it's Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. You guys remember this movie? This was so cool. This was Harrison Ford and Sean Connery still being cool Harrison Ford, not grumpy, creepy Harrison Ford. And this is Sean Connery being charming. He's still got a little James Bond kick left in him. And they get up to this moment, and Harrison Ford is about to cross this cabin, and he can't see anything. And it has this great line that says, only the leap of a lion's head. It's like this leap of faith he has to take. Indiana Jones just sticks his foot out, he gets caught by a ravine that he can't see because of an optical illusion. 
But the thing about that story is his whip wouldn't have saved him. His talents wouldn't have saved him. He just had to take a step. You, my friend, if you're waiting for yourself to be more available and for your calendar to free up, I'm going to teach you something about calendars. It doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. We will always accumulate either more stuff or more activity or more priorities. We will always have more things to do. We will always feel like we are at the end of our rope. You know what's crazy about your rope? It doesn't matter when you drop it and get on your knees and you sacrifice it because it's going to make a difference. The holiest heart is frequently accompanied by the dirtiest hands. Let's get your hands dirty. Take a next step today. We pray for you. And then uh, Pastor Scott's going to come up and talk to us. Well, God, we love you. We want to be more like you. You know, we say that. We say that we want to be more like you because you're the Prince of Peace. But following you, God, can be difficult. It can be awkward. It can be messy. Uh, following you, it doesn't always make sense because we have already found a way to live. But you have offered us a new way forward. Father, by way of your Son and your Holy Spirit, would you move us not to a place of guilt, but, out of, but to a place of conviction and purpose? Because you are good, and we want to tell everyone in this world who you are and what you've done and why we want to magnify you, Lord, and worshiping you. And it's in your mighty name we pray. Amen. You are so loved. <laughs>